0: Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Bayer and I'll be your host. Today's guest is Joe Laratro. Joe is an SEO expert. He owns his own agency specializing in search marketing and he wrote the book The SEO Diet. In this episode, we are going to talk about the latest trends in Google and what that means to content, public relations, as well as optimization. Get ready for Joe to share all of his latest SEO PR secrets and more. So um, Joe and I have worked together for a long time, more than 10 years. Um, We met at a conference, and um, Joe specializes in search marketing and PPC. Joe, I'll let you just kind of give your background first and talk about how you got started and where you are today.
1: Sure. So I've been doing strictly SEO, search engine optimization, and paid search for about 20 years. Uh, Worked for a company that was startup in the industry and really made a name for itself and helped kind of craft the industry for the first six years Then started my own company in 2006, focused more on bringing the expertise back to the client. Uh, it's been an amazing ride and love going to work every day.
0: Awesome, so we um, met at a search marketing conference and since then we've been partner agencies on a bunch of different client projects. Um, So coming from a public relations standpoint, so I have my book, Social PR Secrets, which talks a lot about optimization. Um, What are some of the trends today that public relations professionals and digital marketers that are just really content focused can take advantage of to Get to it's harder to get to page one of search compared to 10 years ago. There's a lot less placement. So talk about what that looks like and what are just some easy best practices that we can do that are big misses sometimes
1: Sure. So I'm gonna try to theme this toward PRs as much as possible, um, but it might tangent a little bit off. So try to bring me back if I if I go too far off. Um, so today. The SERP, search engine result page, can be very dynamic. It can be very personalized for your experience. It can be very personalized for your location, depending on where you're at and how you were doing searches. Um, So in terms of PR and content, there's a lot of opportunities that you can show up in the SERP pretty highly and maybe potentially easier than it was before in some cases and and harder depending on where you may pop. So start with some of the things you wouldn't normally think about, which would be results like image search or even video showing. So if you're optimizing for, let's say YouTube and you're putting good content on YouTube and it happens to rank for a good keyword because the content that you posted was very relevant, it was keyword rich in the content that you were posting and in your description and maybe even a transcript it would be very clear of what that video was in a search engine result page today somebody's searching for that and that video shows up toward the top i mean that's very powerful Um, images can show up as well slightly more technical but let's say you put a good image in a blog post and the blog post was timely and related to a PR, press release, or even just news about a company, and around that image was wrapped good keywords, and maybe you put an alt tag on that image that was good keywords, and it ranked, again, you could show. The holy grail today for a SERP, though, is what we call position zero, or the answer box results, and that content is created almost a content war in a good way. Um, for search engines and companies that are trying to optimize for it. So this is where you may ask a question like, um, what are the best tactics for doing SEO for a press release? And somebody wrote an article that was an amazing article about, here's all the steps that you would need to optimize a press release for SEO purposes. That ranks. And then the company that had that position notices that somebody wrote a better article than their article, and they're like, "Okay, well, we're gonna write, we're gonna rewrite our article, and make a better article." So it's it's where well, I said a war, an arms race for best content. Um, it's a pretty amazing scenario for Google because they've got the best content that they've ever seen being made on a regular basis, than people trying to write better content than the next. Instead of you know maybe ten, especially fifteen years ago, where it was just load lots of crap. Content out there, and it doesn't have to be great. Doesn't have to be bulleted. Doesn't have to have good pictures in it. Doesn't have to meet the standards for a good per- a person to have a good experience reading it. It just had to have keywords in the right places to to rank. So that's that's worked out pretty well. And I would say that's relevant to PR today because if you have that top result, I mean, it could be something that's timely. It could be something that is more evergreen content. But um, that's a that's definitely a target.
0: So when you say just for people that might not know what the answer box means, what does that mean?
1: So the answer box, we also call position zero. It would be the first result when you're doing a search, typically in a question format, and it it's not necessarily tied to a normal looking search result. So a normal looking search result has a title, description, title is usually one line, description can be maybe two or three lines. Uh, there might be some links after that that are navigation links or site links, but pretty simple. And answer box results can be more robust. It can actually list, one of the easiest ways to see this is recipes today. So if you search for your favorite chicken cacciatore recipe, like you'll actually see part of the recipe in the result. But if you want to read the entire recipe, you have to click on the link, and then it goes to the page. So when we first started seeing these answer box results, that might be five, six years ago now, uh, people were worried that if Google was giving you the answer, you'd actually not get the traffic to the website, and that's actually not at all what happens. If you have that result, your traffic goes through the roof, and we call it position zero because it's actually above position one. So, again, today it's like the holy grail of getting a, a good result.
0: It seems like there's less opportunity to get on page one because Google has so many of their own types of like, search features like where it's like, Google my business, not Google my business, but what are some of the examples of where Google is kind of taking over the search results, but they're not necessarily ads.
1: Well, let's let's include ads. ads. So, yeah, ads too. Um, so let's be very specific, actually, here with an example. So I do a lot of work for moving companies and have for a long time. And today, if you search for a moving company, especially on a phone, it's very likely that you're going to get two to three of what's called the local service ads. So that's just results at the top of the page to say the company name, stars, Google guaranteed. After that, you may get two or three paid ads. After that, you may get three maps results. So you're already like three scrolls before you potentially could even get to a regular organic result. And even where we're talking about the answer box, let's say you were looking for your favorite, what's the best moving company in a certain area, and there was an answer box result, that would still be pushed pretty far down from the paid. I mentioned Maps, so Maps aren't paid, but Maps can have a paid un- and paid ad unit in it that would actually say ad, but it still looks like that. And the Maps ads, you alluded to kind of quickly, is Google My Business. So Google My Business populates the, the Maps ads. At one of
0: the sessions I was at, and- At PubCon not that long ago, I think the last PubCon was all about Google My Business and basically how if you have a local business, this is what they were saying. And I just want to get your opinion, too, that um, Google My Business can in many ways be more powerful than a local website can be. And to optimize Google My Business and spend time each day um, uploading posts and images and content because that's going to get you more results than a website might. What do you think about that?
1: So now let's talk about social. So we talked a little bit about PR, and you mentioned your book, PR, uh, Social PR Secrets. So now let's get a little social. Google My Business has become a very social entity, and it's also a very living entity. Uh, Google brought many of the features from Google Plus that's now shut down, but into Google My Business. So Google My Business has features that allow it um, to be very... I don't want to say lifelike, but it's very fresh, lots of new content, very interactive, more so than probably many websites. So today we've got, besides the regular business information, which is name, phone number, description, there are Google posts, which you can put in your business. So posts can be Google. They can be like, not Google, but they can be blog posts. They can be specials. They can be new content that's on the article. They can be feature featured press releases can go there. There's Q&A. So anyone can ask a question on your GMB, and anyone can answer it. And then there's ways that you can actually um, choose what the recommended answer is by how many people thumbs up the answer. One example, I added this to a presentation I do on local search at, at PubCon is for REC90 gas. In South Florida, REC90 gas or recreational 90 gas is ethanol free gas. So kind of a big deal for the boating community because you don't want to put ethanol gas in a boat, it tends to break down. Um, it's weird, it just said the host joined. You're here, so I'm we're here. here. <laughs> um, if you search for REC-90 gas in GMB, there's a, there's several results, but I chased down two of the results that were Sunoco gas stations, and I actually went to the gas station. I asked for REC-90 gas. They're like, oh, no, it's the other gas station. I go to the other gas station that's a Sunoco, and they're like, no, no, it's the other one. I know that because it's in Google. Well, Google was wrong in both, but somebody had posted a and a do you have Rec 90 Gas? Someone answered yes. And then Google assigned Rec Gas to the results set for that gas station, which was wrong. But that shows the power of QA that if somebody asks a question and there's answers, then potentially the way you may search for a business is going to show up there. So you got QA, you've got posts. Um,
0: well, just for Google my business alone, like when you do a, a branded search or even a search for like, just say a restaurant, but I'm just saying more for a branded search, it takes up, you get basically all this free real estate on the right side of the page one of Google. One of my friends opened a restaurant in Vero Beach and they didn't have a website. They didn't have anything. And so literally within an hour, I set up their Google my business. I uploaded their menus. I you know, put all the details of their, their business and... You know, then all of a sudden they started getting more, um, you know, every day after that, more people were coming in and saying, oh, I found you on on, on Google. And so you could literally like not have a website and just use Google my business. And in that instance, like it's working out fabulously for them.
1: Yes. And then just one other component, I, I kind of skipped it, which is probably the original and more important one, is mm-hmm. reviews. Mm-hmm. So reviews are very much a big importance of Google My Business. They, um, again, a social aspect, I mean, it's user-generated content, and you should be responding to reviews as the business owner, good or bad, it just shows that you're involved. So yeah, GMB is very much alive, very much part of, I would say, today's PR and social practice.
0: So just speaking about reviews, that's a great PR subject. So um, when you search any type of um, a restaurant or any type of brand, um, what's showing up it, from Facebook is the, the reviews. What's showing up from, you know, if there's a Yelp page, all of those reviews and stars are showing up on page one of of Google. So you really have to, not just with Google reviews, like all reviews, make sure that you're managing them and paying attention to them because that's going to be from a PR standpoint, that's somebody's first impression. And now everybody's like living and breathing by reviews. You know, they're not going to do something or buy something. They want to see what people said about it. And if they're just scanning number of stars and it's two out of five stars out of, let's just say 25 reviews, even, you know, Amazon reviews show up. Mm -hmm. So how is Google? So they're weighing those reviews types of sites or those social sites to show up, on page like what what are some influential sites like facebook is or linkedin is what are there any others that would be important to optimize to make sure from a pr standpoint your brand is showing up on page one where you can control it
1: yeah so some you can control a little bit and some we have very little control over yelp is probably the biggest one and i almost want to say offender that you can't control and They have their own algorithm for choosing which reviews to show. They don't want you promoting reviews. They don't want you promoting reviews in a way that you can control who's doing the review. So there's a practice that's called review gating. Review gating means that you try to only have people that you know were happy with your business write a review. Um, It's a good practice and there's actually ways that even Google promotes it, but Yelp does not like it at all. And while Yelp will promote putting a sticker on your door, that says review us on yelp or putting something on a business card that says review us on yelp if you actually send someone an email asking them to review us on yelp they consider that against their terms which is very difficult uh, and it, even when you ask people verbally to write reviews on yelp a lot of times they get filtered and i always say like you can't be discouraged you got to keep asking and eventually somewhere in there it'll, it'll catch up and you'll get some some good reviews Another one that shows up a lot is Glassdoor. And Glassdoor, I think you probably have a little bit more control over because you can respond easier. Um, I don't think they're specific about having like existing employees. If you ask somebody to write a review, I mean, why not? Uh, where I've seen Glassdoor be a little troublesome is interview processes because people can actually complain or be happy about the interview process. If they weren't hired, they're probably complaining. Um, so Glassdoor can be a little tricky, but Glassdoor is one that shows up quite a bit.
0: As far as um, just aside from reviews and just looking at social networks that influence page one of Google. So, for example, um, your Twitter profile optimized with your brand name, you know, that's going to if you're active on it will show up. If you're active on Twitter and and actively tweeting, your tweets are going to show up for your search. Right. So what are some other profiles that aside from just paying attention to reviews that for example, your LinkedIn profile. So are there just, is there an obvious list of um, let's just say you're just starting out or you aren't paying attention to your social networks? What can you do to optimize?
1: So I'll go, I'll go about this uh, kind of from a different angle. So, I used to to do a lot with reputation management. I try not to do too much with it anymore just because it's challenging. And if I take on a, a case, it's usually because I think the business for something, they they have an issue with something that really wasn't fair. Um, there's many times where somebody comes to me to do reputation management and it's just, there's no reason to even touch it because they did something wrong and too bad. Um, but it, one of the main things to do when you're working on reputation management, or which is even better if you're working on brand management, so you're working, you're, you're working proactively before there's ever a problem, is to kind of build a brand wall around obviously the brand name, the company name, and sometimes even maybe the main execs. So in those cases, I would say any and every social network or someplace that you could build a profile, I would do it. Um, Some of the ones that we've used besides like the obvious LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter is, um, just drew a blank, SlideShare is actually a great one. Um, Flickr used to be a great one. I don't know if it still is. I haven't used that one in a while. Um, but there's a lot of sites like that that you could build profiles, even like YouTube, and you build profiles that will rank around a brand. I, and I don't have that off the top of my head because I haven't done it in a while. But anytime that, even like Glassdoor, I mean, if you build profiles, if it's if it's a company, I mean, it's easy to build profiles as a person, you know, kind of a different set. But the more places that you build out a profile and then can interlink them with each other so it's very easy for Google to tie them together it works Uh, one of the big topics at PubCon in November or in October in Vegas was entities and entities are something that in local searches we've always known that Google was trying to identify that one business from another business could be an entity but Google's trying to make everything an identity and I can use myself as, as a good example. Is I had a grandfather, Joe Laratro. I'm Joe Laratro, and my son is Joe Laratro. So, are you looking for Joe Laratro the SEO? Are you looking for Joe Laratro, the very young basketball player? And not in a way that he's going to be professional. He's not that good, but <laughs> um, but he plays on a team. And you know, maybe you're you want to research like you're going to play him on a team. So. That, or he loves Lego. Joel the Lego guy. I'm certainly not the Lego guy. Transformers might be difficult because Joel Transformers could be me or him. Ha ha. So,
0: so that's where, <laughs> So that's what they're trying to do?
1: So yeah, so entity search, I don't know how I got on the tangent of entity search, but entity search is trying to get super, super specific. And then that's how I did. So by using all these profiles and interlinking the profiles, it's very easy for Google to say, okay, well this entity, whether it's a business or a person is now, I can very quickly see that these are all looped together and, and tie that entity to those different sites, social or business profiles or whatever it is.
0: Okay. What about press releases It used to be Kind of the gaming system with SEO is to do a press release, which was awesome. And then it turned out not awesome because people took advantage of it and it turned it spam. And then algorithms came into place. And um, so now, today, where do press releases fit into um, helping um, in search and also getting into Google News?
1: Sure. Uh, so press releases were probably one of the most abused tactics from SEOs for many, many years. And the reason why is it was very easy to put out a press release, put five links in it with different keywords, put it on a wire, and then have 10,000 websites pick up that press release, and five links just turned into 50,000 links. Kind of crazy, but it was a very easy way to game the system. And then Google came out, and this is early 2010s, I don't remember exactly the year, 11 12 13 something like that google came out and said no more no more links in press releases we're not counting them if you put a link in a press release make sure it's a it's a no follow link which is their official way of saying that a link in anything online that website is not endorsing that link so it doesn't count as the vote as part of their page rank algorithm so a lot of seo's just got away from press releases why spend whether it was $100, a free press release service, or a more substantial one could be in the hundreds of dollars to put out a press release. But that's not really a good way to look at it because press releases are still really good content, assuming it's a valid press release for a good reason. But they, let's say they can be really good content. So there's no reason not to do a press release and not to put a press release on your website and put a press release on the wire. You're just not doing it for the actual link building value of it. You're doing it because you're putting out good content. Now, if a press release gets picked up by a valuable website and that website can drive traffic to your website, you would still want that link in there because you don't want to just have, we actually call it unlinked mentions. So if you put out a press release about, I don't want to be too timely here, but we'll stick with me. So I put out a press release that um, I'm hiring a new team for, or adding more members to a team for paid search or something like that. Well, if somebody's reading that and they're like, "Well, I'm, I have a paid search background. I want to go work there," then I need to have a link in that to get them back to my website, so they don't have to take an extra step to go search for the company name or search for me to try to find it. And they may maybe there's another company called Tandem something. I mean, it the link should still be there, and the link should have the no follow. And we don't we're doing it again for content purposes only, not really for SEO in terms of link building value.
0: From so- Right, and so from a public relations standpoint, um, how can PR content help influence SEO? Like, it's not PR is SEO, but the press release, the content. You know, what are some opt- You know, by by putting out, let's just say, one paid press release a month. That's valuable content. That's newsworthy. That's optimized. That's not filled with links. That's, you know, if it, it's going to get picked up, you know, and seen possibly by a journalist searching for that content or gets in Google News. That's one way. Yeah. And then what else can public relations professionals do with content and optimize it to get found more and contribute to SEO? And the, the final result, you know, if it's a New York Times article or USA Today or industry-related article that has not a no-follow link, but an authority link, like how valuable is that?
1: Yeah. All right. So you asked a lot of questions there. Let me. I know. I have three ideas. Let's see if I can okay. get all three of them. Let's start with the most valuable. So the most valuable is earned media. So if a press release can lead to an earned media coverage post, I mean, however you want to refer to it, that's amazing because then you get a real link from a real publication and it wasn't something that you sent out. So let's say a high quality press release and somebody's reading into like, wow, I want to interview that company or I want to learn more about this, and you get an earned media, that's the best of the best. So that's number one. Um, number two would be the content value. So I said this before, but really, any press release has content value. And it's no different than writing an article on the website. It's just maybe geared a little bit more to PR. But that is good content to have on the website, have it growing. Syndicating it is OK, but I care more about it being on the, the main website huge and then the third thing would be what you're optimizing now this is a little tricky because from an SEO point of view I care about keywords and content from a a PR person's point of view I suspect that um, clickbait or a sensational title might be kind of valuable that you you catch somebody's attention I've recently seen on a website that sells vitamins, proactive health vitamins, let's say, that they wrote most of their titles of their content in a sensational way. And the website seemed to have been hurt from recent updates by doing that.
0: In a sensational way? Like what would be an example of an, a sensational versus a keyword way?
1: Like... Um, wow, I got to try to remember the, I had two like really good examples, but it was like over the top explanation of. um,
0: Like salesy sensationalized or.
1: uh, Salesy sensational. It was, it was actually, one was about a feminine product. So I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go too far into that one, but let's say um, from. uh, a new way to whiten your teeth to the absolute best, greatest whitening procedure ever made kind of scenarios. So having some kind of balance of, people aren't looking for that, they're looking for teeth whitening, or best teeth whitening, or new teeth whitening, then going way over the top in a title of groundbreaking phenomenon of secret fruit to whiten your teeth kind of thing. So. The reason why i'm saying that is if i was writing content today for press releases i would actually watch and see which ones do better in terms of organic ranking because if you write them in a sensational way to get attention you may not get the rankings that you're really looking for Um, so focus more on keywords but you still want to be fun to read you want nice pictures you want the content in the right places you need Keywords in the title, keywords in description, keywords actually in the content. Um, and when you're writing to have a focus on three or four keywords or keyword phrases, I think is a really good idea because then you can read it back and make sure that you're covering all the points you want to hit.
0: So this is a question I have now. So with if we're using, let's just say, three words as a keyword phrase, those three words have to be like together in the same exact order in the title, the meta description, and everywhere in the content or does, do those three words need to be somehow close together or.
1: So to know- I so if you had a three word phrase that was absolutely your target phrase, I would have that phrase in that order in the title and probably in the first paragraph of the content. And then after that, if it, if it was in different orders or even in different places on the page, I wouldn't be too concerned, but I would definitely have it, um, at least once in the order that you're, you're really trying to go after. Um, One example,
0: go ahead. I'm just saying, if you look at best practices, just without giving, you know, that everyone says, like, front load the keyword or keyword phrase in the title, front load that into the um, meta description, and then use it in the first sentence and then in the first paragraph. And it's like if you had a three word keyword phrase and you look at it in the search engine result, you know, it just looks like it's redundant, like it's not creative. And yeah. how much flexibility i'm asking do you really have where you're still going to have influence on seo but also it's not like
1: yeah you know,
0: everything the same three words like at the beginning of each thing
1: yeah so again kind of back to what i said so yeah. title title is a must and first paragraph is a must i don't know about first sentence description i probably wouldn't use it in the description i would do something similar but it could look very redundant if you're on a search engine result page and you see it like TWICE, title description might look like So synonyms are okay in the description? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the word that the industry likes to use here. Um, Latent semantic indexing. (laughs) An industry favorite that basically is synonyms. But yes, there's there's a lot of ways that Google can interpret keywords and kind of lump things together. Um, One example I like to use that, kind of is really good to focus on, is uh, luxury dog beds versus designer dog beds. I worked on a website once that they had these perfect set of meta tags for luxury dog beds, description luxury dog beds. I mean, everything looked great. And then you got to the content of the page, and it changed luxury to designer. And it didn't mention luxury dog beds anywhere on the actual content. So there was some disconnect between whoever was optimizing the website and the meta tags and who wrote the content on the pages. So in terms of a, a press release or any kind of PR content, it's important to kind of have, again, just off to the side, like, here's my the words I want to hit, and let's make sure that they're in the content. And sometimes it's the editor's role, sometimes it's the writer's role, but you want to make sure that they're there.
0: Okay. Any other, um, so as far as tools like Google Trends, and you know, how can PR professionals use some of these tools that aren't too technical but will help? And coming up and optimizing content or coming up with topical content that Google is liking at that moment.
1: So this is the best question for me because I'm not the one searching for topics and what to write on. I can parrot a little bit of other things I've heard. I know Buzzsumo is very good. Um, I use Google Trends, but not in a in, not in that way. I'm usually comparing more year over year and trying to identify either what happened to traffic or where traffic might be going. But kind of high level. I mean, Google Trends you can you can use like per keyword searches versus like seeing what kind of topics are trending. Uh, we use semrush which has a lot of keyword research tools in it what else um and answer the public i mean we're, we're we're focusing on trying to get those position zero answer box type results there's a tool called answer the public that shows all of the ways that searches can be queried and you could start with like a base keyword and it will show you kind of like this of all of the ways people ask for information about that keyword which is a great way to come up with content and then what we also call Google Waterfall or Google Search suggests is as you're typing in something, you'll get a list of keywords that Google shows relevant. So back to teeth, back to teeth whitening, if I start typing teeth whitening, I'll actually see like this is the way people are asking for teeth whitening.